0: Oh, dear. We become a race of peeping toms. What people ought to do is get outside their own house and look in for a change. Yes, sir. How's that for a bit of homespun philosophy?
1: Now, Frank Sinatra, transcribed as Rocky Fortune. NBC presents Frank Sinatra, starring as that footloose and fancy-free young gentleman, Rocky Fortune. I hear it said on good authority
2: that a rolling stone gathers no moss. In my case, it is not only moss that I don't gather, but something else which is green, namely loot, with which to buy the little things that make life worth living, like food. I am therefore always available for employment, and when the agency sends me up to the Knickerbocker magazine... I am very happy to accept their $48.50 a week less withholding. Excuse me, lady. In which of these glass brick kennels do I find Mr. Walter Potteridge?
0: Just open your ears and head for the biggest noise. That's our Walter. I am
3: telling you, Burke, I want those reviews on time.
0: See what I mean?
2: Thanks.
4: But two weeks in a row, I've had the business office after me for missing deadlines. I'm not in business for my health, which is lousy. Uh, What do you want?
2: Mr. Potteridge?
4: It says Partridge on the door. My cufflinks are initial WP, and I've got Dear Walter tattooed on my right bicep. Yes, I am Mr. Partridge.
2: Okay. Who are you? Rocky Fortune. The agency sent me over.
4: Oh, oh, yes. Well, what do I do? Do you see this sad, broken-down, pseudo-intellectual... Issue? Now, Walter, you're taking unfair advantage This me? miserable object is Burke Whittemore, the drama critic of the Knickerbocker magazine. His reviews are followed with bated breath by middle-aged women from Hohokus to Great Neck. There is only one trouble. He has not seen a play in the last three years.
2: But if he doesn't go to plays, how does he review them? Oh,
4: he goes. He occupies an aisle seat in the fifth row. He's there in body, but unfortunately... The spirit has been applied internally. Ah, come on, Walter. Isn't it fitting to pour libations to Dionysius before attending his temple? I'm not worried about Dionysius. I am concerned about the libations being poured into Burke Whittemore. You get the picture, Mr. Fortune? He's on the sauce. That's the general idea. Mm. My dear man, paralyzed drunk, I can type a better column with my elbow than any other drama critic in the metropolitan area. Just once, I'd like to see what you can do while sober. All right. Now, Fortune, you understand your job?
2: Uh, Look, Mr. Partridge, I am a great connoisseur of the theater arts. I have sat under the runway of Old Howard in Boston and similar high-tone resorts in Union City, New Jersey. But if you're looking for a drama critic, I think you better get yourself a new boy.
4: Don't be ridiculous, Fortune. I've got a drama critic. What I want is someone who can keep him from falling on his face. Oh. All right, now, here's your job. There's a new play opening tonight, Trolley in the Sky by St. John Maloney. Now, you're to stick with Whittemore from now until curtain time. Just keep him sober, and don't let him fall asleep in the show. Your seat will be directly behind his on the aisle. And if he starts to show any signs of drooping, give him a good stiff poke in the back of the neck. Now, see here, Walter. You think you can manage that fortune?
2: Don't worry, Mr. Partridge. He won't even wink. I got a real dandy rabbit punch. I developed it punching rabbits. (laughs) I am now remembering that this Burke Whittemore is the fellow known on Broadway as the Kiss of Death. He's not written a review with a kind word in it since Helen Hayes was playing kid parts with Bloomer's showing. But now he's a rum-dum, senior grade, and I'm hired to make an honest man of him. We head back to Whittemore's office where the job of protecting him from his various follies starts even sooner than I think.
0: But you can't go in there.
1: Get away
5: from that door.
1: Won't you come in, Maloney?
5: I knew I'd find you hiding in here, Whittemore. Be careful how you swing that cane.
1: All right, Maloney, what's the idea of breaking the glass in my door? Your
5: glass isn't the only thing I'm going to break. Are you planning to cover my opening tonight?
1: With a shroud.
5: With a more? I'm warning you. I will not create a sensitive, important, searching drama and have a warped Nibelung tear it to shreds with his pointed teeth. After you reviewed my last play, it ran exactly two performances.
1: A long run for that play. How did it do on the road? Listen, you
5: snake. If you bent your malevolent spleen on my new one tonight, so help me, I'll kill you. In fact, I don't think I'll even... Hey, Hey,
3: put down that cane.
2: Now, a malacca cane with a silver head is not as heavy as a bulldozer or as high-powered as a six-inch shell. But when laid neatly back at the ear, it'll serve... I fold up in a tasteful knot and droop gracefully to the axe minster. Having delivered his St. Sinjin Maloney turns on his heel, which happens to be on my stomach at the time, and strides out of the
1: office. Fortune, you all right? Oh, what happened to me? We tried to brain me with his cane and caught you on the backswing. mm That's the trouble with these modern playwrights. No sense of direction. I believe you. Of course, we'll have to do something about that lump on your head.
0: Uh, Shall I call a doctor, Mr. Whittemore? Oh,
1: nonsense. We'll just cover it up with a hat. Uh, Fortune, do you happen to possess a Hamburg? Are you clowning? Well, then we'll buy you one on the way to the theater.
2: Come on along. Wait a minute. Wait just a minute. Ain't you even going to call the cops? What for? Didn't you hear Maloney? He said he was going to kill you.
1: There isn't a playwright worth his salt on Broadway who hasn't threatened to kill me. Come along, Fortune. Thespis awaits.
0: Uh, Mr. Whittemore, wait. What about your mail? It's been piling up on your desk for days.
1: Good. Pile it alphabetically and burn it, Alice. Bills, nothing but. Bills. Uh, but,
0: Mr. Whittemore. Oh, dear. Mr. Fortune, would you take these letters along and try to get him to read them, please?
2: Okay. Mmm. Here's one that doesn't smell like a bill. Lavender envelope. Fortune. Huh? Oh, coming, Mr. Whittemore. So I slip the letters in my pocket, and away we go. First he insists on buying me a Hamburg hat, and then we head toward the theater. We get there about 40 minutes late. Burke Whittemore collapses in an aisle seat in the first row while I am right behind him in the second. A pint-sized blonde named Valerie Carter is emoting all over the stage, but I'm too busy to pay much attention. Already, Burke Whittemore is beginning to slide down in his seat
0: another, yet were I
2: another's
0: other, yet were I yet. Hey. Your
2: other. Mr. Whittemore, wake up.
0: Take hey. me, for I am no other than your own, else were I another.
2: Okay, pal, I warned you. <coughs> oh, it's fortune. Did you have to do that? Cheer up, Mr. Whittemore. Something might happen. Who knows? Her dress might slip. Mm. First intermission, we struggle through a lobby the size of a phone booth, which is occupied by a cloud of smoke and a few thousand people. Whittemore runs up against a sad little man who looks as if his last friend just bit him. This is Judson Flanagan, the producer.
6: <clears throat> a great show tonight, Burke. Eh? St. John has written a modern masterpiece in verse.
1: That third-rate carpenter couldn't write a testimonial for an underarm deodorant. <laughs> uh, very witty, Burke. Hey, do you like it? I'm using it in my review
6: are you writing them in advance now you've only seen 10 minutes of the play
1: my dear man you tried out in new haven a gentle wind wafted the aroma straight into my office
6: listen burke seriously you've got to be fair i've got my own money in this show you you must be mad but burke you can't pen it you just can't look i've done everything i could to please you i've even starred your favorite actress valerie
1: carter she was my favorite actress you should have given the part to Lassie. This thing is really a dog.
6: Burke, I'm desperate. If you cut this show to ribbons, I'll... I'll kill you.
2: We leave Flanagan and fight our way down the aisle. Just as we reach our seats, the house lights go down and the stage is dark, too, and as nobody is seated yet, we all kick each other around for a while. Just as I get myself firmly planted, somebody falls in my lap.
0: Oh! Oh, oh, excuse me, monsieur, but uh, you are in my seat.
2: (laughs) Excuse me, lady, but you're in my lap.
0: Oh, no, this is seat D1.
2: This is B1, lady. Stick around, it's a great seat. Oh,
0: no, 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 I could not. Uh, Pardon. Pardon me
2: A small, tight brunette wearing a veil and a mink and smelling of something at 50 bucks an ounce. All in all, she appears to be some dish from where I'm sitting, which at the time is right under her. However, cherchez la femme, I always say. At this point, I notice Burke Whittemore is starting to slide again. I reach over and give him the old rigid digit in the back of the neck. Hey, Mr. Whittemore, hey, wake up. Oh, Come on. Oh,
5: Stella, where art thou? You whose else becomes more present than absent.
2: Mr. Whittemore, wake up, pal.
5: Would that you were not another's other, so that I could seek and find you where you are.
2: I'm telling you, Mr. Whittemore, you got to wake up. Evidently, I have more power on my index finger than I give myself credit for. Whittemore slides out of his seat and rolls into the aisle. I'm down beside him, but it doesn't take me long to head up the aisle to the front of the house where I flag down Judson Flanagan, the producer. Shh!
6: This is the reconciliation scene.
2: It better be the reincarnation scene, pal. Come on outside. I got a flash for you. Huh? Whittemore is stiff in the aisle. Again? Fortune, you help me get him out. We'll get him some black coffee and bring him to. He'll take more than coffee, Flanagan. He's got a knife buried in his back. Ted? That's impossible. Improbable, maybe. But nothing's impossible these days, so you better call the cops. We can't call the police now. It's only the second act. Look, Mr. Flanagan, I know it may seem like bad theater coming so early in the play, I mean, but there's a corpse in the center aisle. Aren't you even interested? Of course, of course. We'll have to get him
6: out of there before intermission.
2: I guess I ain't getting through. Burke Whittemore is dead. (sighs) D-E-D. Look, give me some change and I'll call him myself. Where's the phone? Right behind you. Oh, yeah, but where's the change? Here, you... Ah, Turning my back on Flanagan was like playing Potsy in the Holland Tunnel. He let me have it right on the cowlick with about two and a half tons of small change in a bag. I figure if I stay on this job much longer, they'll refer to me as melonhead fortune. Because I'm beginning to feel distinctly squashy behind the ears... When I come to, I'm on the floor of a small closet with my head sharing a bucket with a slightly damp mop. I stagger to my feet and commence banging on the door.
4: Let me out of
3: here.
2: Get, let me out of here. I got a right to make one telephone. I want my lawyer.
3: Well, Rocky Fortune, what are you doing in there? Sergeant
2: Finger of Homicide as I live and breathe. What are you doing in this closet? Look, Sarge, a guy got croaked tonight. A drama critic by the name of Burke Whittemore. How come you know? Because I was sitting in the seat right behind him. Eh? What were you doing there? I was acting as his bodyguard. Oh, <laughs> that's a hot one. I knew that break you up. Look, the guy was a lush.
3: His magazine hired me to keep him on a wagon. He's on the wagon, all right. Only now it's a hearse. So you were sitting right behind him when it happened, huh? Yeah, I was. And he got the knife right in the back. That's very interesting. Now, wait a minute. Why'd things? you do it, Fortune? You know something, Sarge? You are a pilgrim in the path of least resistance.
2: What do you mean by that? You always pin the rap on the nearest suspect. It saves you so much time.
3: Why not? You had the perfect opportunity, Rocky. Sure, but why would I want to do it? You need a motive, Sarge, a motive. Uh, You're right. Why did you do
2: it? Oh, nuts. Look, why do you pick on me? You got any better suspects, Rocco? How about the guy who wrote this turkey tonight? How about it, Maloney? Didn't you threaten to kill Whittemore if he panned your play? Certainly I did. I'm only sorry that someone beat me to it. How do we know that someone did? I wasn't
5: even in the theater when it happened. I can't stand the strain of opening nights. I was in the little bar across
2: the street. We'll check on that. Okay, Rocky, who else? The producer, Flanagan. He had a fight with Whittemore at intermission time, just before it happened, Sergeant. That doesn't mean a thing. I never left
6: the front of the theater. Says who? Ask my box office man. I was checking receipts with him from the time the second act curtain went up until fortune came running up the aisle.
3: Well, now that leaves us right back where we started. Only one suspect, and Rocky, guess who? Now take it easy, Finger,
2: not so fast. Almost anybody in the theater could have done it. The uh-huh. lights were down, all they had to do was walk down the aisle in the dark, and... Wait a minute. The brunette. The brunette who? The brunette who sat in my lap. What are you doing, dreaming again? No, honest, Sarge. She thought I was sitting in her seat. We had a friendly tussle about it, and then it turned out she was looking for D1 instead of B. When did all this happen? Right after the start of Act Two, just before Whittemore rolled out in the aisle. Maybe you better chercher La Femme. Um, where did you say she was sitting? D1. But that's impossible. D1 is a house seat. reserved for critics on opening night. But I'm positive she...
3: Look, we had an argument about the seat. Anybody hear the argument? How about you, Miss Carter? Any of the actors notice a commotion down front?
0: Well, no. But, of course, we were all concentrating on our performances.
3: Fortune, why don't you quit trying to feed me all these wild stories? Look, I could prove
2: I was hired as Whittemore's bodyguard. Let me call the magazine, will you? Walter Partridge is a publisher. He'll back me up on it.
3: Okay, then, Fortune, get Partridge over and tell him to fly. Because if he don't, you're going to be my pigeon. On toast. <laughs> By this time, fingers made the whole
2: thing sound so crazy, even I am beginning to wonder if there really was a brunette in my lap. Still, this is no time to give up. I feed a diamond to the backstage pay station and inform Knickerbocker magazine that they have just lost one drama critic. Furthermore, that unless they wish to lose me too, they'd better send Partridge over on the wing. As I hang up the phone, I find Valerie Carter waiting in a dressing gown that is made of old butterfly wings.
0: Mr. Fortune. Yeah... Mr. Fortune, could you step into my dressing room just a moment? I'd like to talk to you. Hmm,
2: So would Sergeant Finger, and he may be getting impatient. Well? Well, he ain't got the strange attraction you have. Let the bum wait.
0: Uh, Um, won't you sit down? Thanks. Do you mind if I sit next to you?
2: It's your couch, honey.
0: Mr. Fortune, I I don't exactly know how to explain this.
2: You lost something lately? how did you know? Well, I didn't think you were looking for sugar just now when I felt that hand in my pocket.
0: Oh, well, <laughs> then I suppose I'd better come right out with it. Yes. I- it's a letter.
2: Oh? A letter to Mr. Whittemore, you mean? Yes. Maybe the lavender one with the Persian.
0: Yes, may I have it? Why? Well, you see, Burke, uh, that is, Mr. Whittemore and I, were good friends for years.
2: I'm glad to know he had one friend.
0: In fact, we were even engaged to be married. But we had a silly little quarrel, and he said that he was going to criticize my performance tonight. Yeah? Well, naturally, I got very angry. So I wrote this letter, and I sent it off. And then I regretted it, of course, and I called his secretary to try and intercept it.
2: And that's how you know I had it on me?
0: Yes. You will give it back to me.
2: You mind if I open the letter first? Oh, no,
0: please don't. It's so foolish, really. And it has nothing to do with what happened in the theater tonight.
2: How do I know that?
0: Well, Mr. Fortune, do I look like a brunette? Well, no. And after all, it happened right in the middle of the play. So, may I have the letter, please? Nope. Well, I thought you were a gentleman, Mr. Fortune.
2: Gentlemen are usually dopes. When Finger finds out who the murderer is, you'll get the letter back unopened.
3: Took you long enough to make that phone call, Fortune. Take it easy,
2: Sarge. Mr. Partridge is on his way over now, and he'll put me in a clear.
3: Yeah? It's going to take more than that. What do you mean? Fortune, you're in this up to your flapping ears. I've been checking out alibis, and both Flanagan and Maloney are clean. I guess who that leaves. Name somebody. What about the brunette? You know, it's strange. Nobody seems to have saw her but you. And a man was sitting in seat D1. A rocky... Why don't you save the state the cost of the trial and confess, huh? Maybe I can get you off light with the electric chair. I tell your finger. You it. are hello, out of hi. your... Hello, hello, Mr. Partridge, I am so glad to see
2: you, my uh, boy. Will you tell this guy who I am? I don't know who you are. What? But... Now, wait a minute. Didn't you hire me today to look after Burke Whittemore?
4: Yes, I did.
2: And what do you mean by that crack, I don't know who you are?
4: Apparently, I should have asked for character references first. I hired you to protect Mr. Whittemore, not to let him get stabbed in the back.
3: All right, Rocky boy, let's go down to the station.
4: Uh, (laughs) Before you go, Fortune, I'll take Whittemore's mail.
3: How did you know I had it?
4: Why, uh, hand it over, Fortune.
2: Not so fast. Funny thing, you're the second person to ask about that. Why is everybody so anxious to get their mitts on Whittemore's mail? Wouldn't be the lavender letter, would it? Mr. Fortune. What lavender letter? This one, Sarge. Valerie Carter sent it to Whittemore today. Who knows? We might even find a motive inside. Mr.
0: Fortune, that is not your letter. You have no right.
2: Sarge, listen to this. Dear Burke, it's no use you're trying to hold me with threats. It's all over between us, and nothing you can say will change my mind. I'm in love with another man, and I advise you not to cross him, Burke. He isn't the kind to let anything stand in his way.
3: Who's the other man? Let me read it, will you? No, you don't. I'll take that. Here, give me that letter. Hey, Partridge, what's the big idea? Grab him. Finger, he's our boy.
2: Before anyone can lay a glove on him, Podridge is across the stage and starting up the iron ladder to the catwalk. Sergeant Finger runs to beep, so I'm the first one up the ladder after him. When I hit the catwalk overhead, he's already touching a match to the ladder.
3: Stay away from me, fortune! Unless you can fly, you're a gone goose, buddy.
2: This catwalk has got a dead end. Stay
3: away! I'm coming to get you. Oh, you... Look out, Podridge, you're going over! Uh, Podridge! Fortune, help me! Uh, my, my hands are slipping, Fortune. I can't hold on. Did you stab Whittemore? did you? Uh, uh, yes. Yes, I did Louder. Uh, uh, I did it! I killed him! Now oh, help me. You hear that finger? I heard it. My uh, hands I'm slipping! All right, Potter, it's catch. How are you?
2: I haul Partridge back up on the catwalk and frog-march him down to Sergeant Finger. <sighs> I could have been killed. Fortune, you're crazy. All
3: right, Sergeant. You yeah. got the confession? I'll repudiate it. He was
4: threatening my life. That confession will never stand up in the court.
3: Well, maybe not, Mr. Partridge, but now that I got the man and the motive, I got a hunch we ain't going to need it. There'll be other ways we can pin it on you. Oh, Walter, Walter, I... Hey, Rocky... What? You think the dame is mixed up in it too, Miss Carter? Nah.
2: Uh, if she'd have known Partridge was going to bump him off, sending that letter was the most stupid thing she could do. Yeah, I
3: guess that's so. Okay, Partridge, let's fly downtown and find you a cage.
2: So once again, I am a free man, meaning a man without a job, and all I have to show for it is a new pearl gray humbird. <laughs> Uh, Miss Carter. Oh, uh,
3: i uh, yes.
2: Uh, about that letter, I'm really sorry. Oh. You see, I was on a spot.
3: Oh,
0: I. Just... If only I hadn't written that awful letter. That's all.
2: Look, it's been a kind of rough evening, and you look a little beat. Would you like me to see you home?
0: Oh no, no, no. I, I, I don't want to put you to any trouble. Oh, it's
2: not trouble. Just wait till I to, like, grab my hat here. B one B. That's funny. No hat. It must have fallen under the seat.
0: Oh well. Do you see it now? Yeah, I... Ow! Oh! What's the matter?
2: Something stuck me. A bobby pin. Now, how did that get onto my seat?
0: Well, what's so remarkable about that?
2: Yeah, nothing but bald-headed critics sitting in this row. No dames except maybe the brunette who sat in my lap. Only That's why that. would a brunette be dropping blonde bobby pins around? She
0: wouldn't. I think you just made that brunette up.
2: Uh-uh. I think maybe she made herself up with a brunette wig.
0: But who'd want to do a thing like that?
2: Well, it couldn't have been you. You were on stage.
0: That's right.
2: Come to think of it though, were you there all the time? What about the start of the second act?
0: No, I wasn't. Any other questions?
2: Uh, Miss Carter, you don't happen to smoke a pipe?
0: No, I don't.
2: Then that's a gun in my ribs. It is. You did it, not Partridge. You sneaked around If you
0: the... mean that I killed Burke Quittimore, yes.
2: And why did Partridge take the rap?
0: Because he's in love with me.
2: He must be.
0: Don't worry. He'll come out all right. He can prove he was somewhere else tonight.
2: I wish I could say the same. All
0: right, now. Start walking. Where? The stage door, Mr. Fortune.
2: Yeah, that was pretty clever. Only, don't you think you did this thing the hard way? Why don't you just marry Partridge and tell Whittemore to go whistle up a tree? I
0: couldn't. Burke threatened me.
2: With what? Bad review? With
0: deportation. I'm in this country illegally, Mr. Fortune. Burke threatened to turn me in if I tried to leave him.
2: I see. Well, here's the stage door. What now? Open it. You got something definite in mind?
0: I have. They'll find you lying in the alley.
2: It won't be the first time.
0: Well, it'll be the last. Open that door.
2: Okay, here goes.
3: Miss Carter, oh. I'm glad I caught you. I got a question. Finger, watch oh, out. Right, hey. Oh. Hey, wh- what goes? Finger, I could kiss your
2: lovely, stupid mug. What for? I'd be a dead duck if you hadn't figured this thing out. Through your what out? That you had the wrong man, of course. This dame was about to knock me over. Miss Carter?
3: You mean she committed the murder? What else? Ain't that why you came back? No, I came back to get her autograph. Autograph? Yeah, my kids are nuts about the theater. I, I... Oh, brother. <laughs>
1: NBC has presented Frank Sinatra as that footloose and fancy-free young gentleman, Rocky Fortune. Others in tonight's cast included Elaine Ross, Leslie Woods, Stotts Cotsworth, Arnold Moss, James Monks, Roger DeCoven, and Bill Zuckett. Tonight's script was written by Ernest Canoy, Fred Wade directed. Now to tell you about next week's adventure, here's Frank Sinatra as Rocky Fortune. Next time I get a job dusting plaster statues in a two-bit art shop.
2: Only it turns out somebody figures to dust me off. for good. Naturally, there's a blonde, and she ain't no plaster statue. You can take it from me. I'll see you around. Bye.
1: This is the NBC Radio Network.